inside the recording studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me today is Mr. Chris Helsom, as he always is. And we're going to be looking at arrangement stuff. We always seem to uh, mention, well, when the arrangement calls for it and that type of thing. So what do we mean by that? So we're going to talk a little bit about song structure and how we can kind of keep that interesting and what we can do to keep the song moving along. Yes, I agree. Keeping yeah. things moving along. Like I'm suddenly inundated with stuff thinking, going, oh my, are we on the right path here? I don't know. Okay. Yes, we are. I'm sorry. I just had yeah. a momentary brain fart right as we started all of this. <laughs> <laughs> so in the name of keeping things moving along let's just continue let's shall just we? continue on <laughs> so um nothing to see here move along yeah nothing to see here what, what what's going on in your life jody you, everything good uh car troubles but that's not something that's part of this podcast so we can talk about that later <laughs> right i feel a little bit like ace freely in that tom snyder well well tell me about it yeah. uh, <laughs> well you know i play tuna that's right. Was it trout? Trout. I play trout. the trout. Yeah. Trout. Yeah. Trout or yeah. tuna. Something. So this is going to be things. fishing with Chris and Jody. Yeah. That's no, we're right. talking uh, fishing for strong structures in a podcast. We, we went off the rails early on. That's like what, like a minute in, maybe? Well, not even um, that. Well, not yeah. even that. Well, we're in. Well, we're in. We're in, yeah about that. Okay. Well, we got our oars back in the boat. We're going to be all good. So. um Song structure. Yes. Uh, that, that's a smooth segue, right? <laughs> Very much so. Um, it's almost like yeah, I'm so, sitting in P100 at Musicians Institute right now. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Are you, are you getting fuzzy trying to, feelings? Trying to learn from, I think her name was Robin, taught, telling us how to deal with chord progressions and song structures. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those are good times. They those were. were Fantastic yeah. times. A lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah. No, the, the, that was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, but in this case, we're talking about song structure, right? And Yeah. Um, yeah. Basic song we're, structure. We're basic strong, song structure. Uh, basic song structure. That's easy for you to say. It is. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. but we're talking about, and this is why I'm not a singer, um, with that and not being a talented singer. But... Uh, <sighs> Yeah, nothing holding me back except talent. Um, <laughs> but we're talking about in a sort of traditional pop sense where we yeah. have like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus type of thing, right? With a possibly intro and outro stuck on either end there. Um, yeah, well, we could take we could simplify it even further. We could go all the way back to early Beatles times where – people would call it an A-A-B-A structure, which would right. essentially be a verse, verse, bridge, verse. And at the end of each verse is your little hook. But uh, pop has evolved a little bit since then. And people for a while were doing these grandiose intros and then they would get into their verse and then they would do possibly a pre-chorus, but most likely they'd follow it up with a chorus. Then they'd go back to their verse into another chorus. Then they would go, hey, I need to take you somewhere else. So they put you into a bridge and then they come out of that bridge and they go right back to a chorus or two choruses and then done kind of right. thing. Yeah. So that no, is it, a basic pop song structure. 
Right. First course, first course, maybe a bridge. We hear a lot about the death of the bridge today, right? And I, we go into really death of a yeah, bridge. Yeah, you haven't you haven't heard that term? No, not yet. Yeah. It's escaped uh, me. It it's escaped you. Well, it basically what that means, like with a lot of um pop songs today, there simply isn't a bridge. There might be just like another chorus that's drop down in intensity or something like that. But, but, uh, the, man, the I, these, these writers today are fucking pussies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as a master bridge writer myself, right. I am some of my favorite parts are the bridges. Damn it. Uh, anyway, build, not, build nothing but bridges, right? Nothing, but nothing bridges. but bridges. Yeah. That's right. Hook after hook um, after hook. No, that would be Lady in, Gaga. Um, reality. I think that there's, there's a reason why that structure has endured and it's not like you know five guys sat in a room and said this is what we're going to do it's because i blame bill gates yeah yeah (laughs) right um but this is because it works that's right right. it 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 propels songs forward and uh there's there's a fair bit of human psychology going on to that where we like things that are that we recognize, ooh, I like that part. I like, oh, I recognize this. But once we hear that twice, we're kind of ready for something new and that kind of thing. And that's that's really like with the first chorus, first chorus, and then something different comes in and that kind of thing. So, you know, I, I do recall Robin, Robin, Randall, Rand, Robin Randall. Is it? Hold on. I wonder if I have a piece of paper sitting right here with her name on it. Yeah, I actually have it. Uh, Robin Randall. Well, there you go. I believe that's her name because it says Randall right there. Uh, Yeah, common chord progressions right here that I have since put into digital form. But I still have these things sitting around uh, because people do ask, how do you come up with all these chord progressions? Well, I was given a whole bunch when I was at music school and I just kind of (laughs) borrowed them, so to speak. Right. There was also another instructor at at MI who – at one point said, great artists steal from many places. Mediocre artists steal from one place only. And yeah. I took that to heart. I steal from everywhere. And so, yeah. And there's probably at least 30 chord progressions or more just on this. And then, of course, you can change all kinds of things about them. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's variations on the theme there, right? How variations on themes. Like yeah. Well, and even then, some of them are... Yeah, variations upon themselves. But yeah. that being said, uh, if I get into something weird about it, there was a class that I did when I was brought back to MI on scholarship, which was fun. So little Jody tidbit right there. Yay. And I have this song from early on in my career called uh, That's What It Is. And in the song structure going out of the chorus back into the verse, I actually use a diminished chord run. Sure. Three diminished chords in a row to get me yeah. back to the verse. And the humor of this, I had the instructor in front of the whole class is telling me, you can't do that. And I'm like, I'm looking at him like, why not? And he's I'm telling me. I'm pretty sure I did. Yeah. yeah. He goes, because it's extremely cliche. And I looked at him and without even skipping a beat, I said, tell me a single pop song in history that has used a three chord diminished run. Three diminished yeah. chords in a, a right. little descending yeah. pattern of diminished thirds. And he couldn't. 
He couldn't name one example. And the whole room is kind of like, ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Now, mind you, somewhere out there, aside from myself, there probably is a pop song where somebody has done that. Was it cliche? No. What he was referring to is in like jazz standards and jazz. Cliche. I get it. Not in pop. So... Anyway, well, I think that's what everybody does when they learn their diminished chord. Maybe. Like, ooh, I move up a minor third and then another minor third. It's like, ooh, it sounds great. <laughs> but it's the you same know? chord. No, I'm just kidding. Right. Um, yeah. That's a huge digression of where we were at here. It was just one of those things we're talking chords and we're talking parts, and then all of a sudden that just popped in my head. So yeah. I apologize so- for that. Um, but certain styles can have different terms for all of these sections. So some. Rappers will probably call the chorus a hook. Yeah. You know, they might might call their verses are going to be their flow or their spit section. Yeah. uh, Yeah. yeah. So it's all, but but in principle, it's all the same thing. We're just talking about terminology, what we kind of call it here, right? To keep things. um, Yes. It's not like, oh, yeah, this is all about just 80s singer songwriter type of thing. This is, you know, um, no, it's about the 2020s songwriters, damn it. No, just kidding. Right. Um, yeah, so, so it, when we touched on it a little bit again. It's like, well, why is it like this? And it's just, again, it's because it works. It, it uh, It's sort of like a tried and true formula. And if you do any kind of uh, transcription or analyzation of any kind of like pop song, chances are they're using this with maybe some minor adjustments to it. Like a lot of things tend to follow this just because it works. And a lot of times it, it's, it can be subconscious from a writer's perspective as well. Um, so it just, it seems to, to give that flow that kind of makes sense to, to structure. So, yeah. Um, Although so, I will kind of, if we don't want to talk about it in just a simple basic sense, there are some songwriters who take this to like next level shit in the pop world. Oh, sure. Like my, I think my most honored thought about this has to be Sia and whoever she works with when she's crafting her songs, because there was somebody who brought a song to a songwriting group Mm -hmm. talking about the song structure. And I immediately had to be like, "Mm -mm -mm." <laughs> because of the pray way that yeah, pray tell. Um, uh, it was just it was way more complicated because there was a verse like what I would call the verse. Mm-hmm. Then there would be not a second verse, but what I would have called a verse prime because it was still a verse, but th- things had changed about it. Yeah, from one verse to the next, and then from there it goes into like this pre-chorus. Then it has like a chorus A comes back out, does the verse again, and then the verse prime, and then yet another pre-chorus, and then a second chorus that isn't the same as the first chorus. So, wow, taking it like yeah, taking it way to the extreme of like amazing songwriting, and it's a brilliant song. Yeah, and when I, I'm getting goosebumps just freaking talking about it wow. right now. It's like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those moments of songwriting. It was like, holy cow. So, right. and just thinking about how they approach doing it from a production standpoint in the studio is crazy too because all the little things that they put in there with the ear candy and whatnot. But I'm, yeah. I'm digressing pretty hard here, so. No, but it's, it's a, I think it's an important point to make because 
it's not that it has to adhere to this to a T, right? We're, we're talking sort of generalities. The, the idea is that you want to make it work. Yes. And you want to make it interesting. Just changing something for the sake of changing it just to try to be different. If it's not working, it's kind of like what we talked about when you're layering parts. If it doesn't work, it has to go, right? Um, so if you have, oh, but I have this wonderful verse and it's only 32 bars long. Well, <laughs> you know, um, you might have have to shorten that down a little bit. Yeah, you know? as as producers, uh, I worked with an old friend who was getting back into music and yeah. came to me with this song that was like an 11-minute opus, <laughs> hoping to get it into a film. And yeah, that was... That was a piece of work trying to cut that down to like a normal song structure that would get used in a film. <laughs> right. Yeah, because I mean, that, that's that's kind of what we're talking about here. It's, you know, we're not talking about a dream theater song or anything like that. That's like 25 minutes long. But we're talking about sort of like a pop structure that you'd like people to kind of. Something that the masses and, can latch on to. Right. Yeah. So, um when you mentioned Sia there, yes, um, with keeping things interesting through and in all of these parts, um, even if we have a much more basic structure, mm -hmm. like what we've just been touting here, the, the verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge type of thing, yep. um, there are tools that we can use to, to make a simple structure sound more interesting, even if we have the same thing. And that's, uh, I think, a little bit of what we're going to talk about today, just a little bit, and then we'll go into how we we use this in a recording session, which is ultimately, I think, what this episode was meant to be about. But um, we've talked about layering things and doing that kind of stuff where in the second verse, you might drop stuff out. You might add something to it to make it feel like it's still... I remember this from before, thanks to the listener, right? But, but it's something new and fresh that we keep adding to it. So That's the hope. Uh, yeah, that's the idea, right? And uh, at least from my perspective, like when we say the arrangement calls for it or it's song-related, that's what I'm thinking about. Yes. It, you know, so um, then that, that sort of begs the question too, like if you're, if you're not in – a uh, in the pop world, let's say that you're you have no interest in that. That's not where you're at. You're you're doing this. We're doing these 15 minute prog songs, you know, <laughs> uh, and nothing wrong with that. But, but if that's where you are, then that's what you have to do, right? Um, are you okay then with with losing the listener at some point? I mean, because that's I remember an old interview with uh, one of our favorite band, so it used to be anyway, a band called Queensryche, mm. when they're talking about the, the primary songwriter. In this case, it was like Chris DeGarmo. Chris DeGarmo. Yes. Um, and how Chris would be very concerned about losing the listener during a certain song. As one like should if, be. If, well, certainly as he was, right? But mm. Jeff, the singer, he was no, he was perfectly okay with that, as long as we can grab him back at some point. But he was a little bit more of the prog mind, I think, at least at that point of the band. So um, are you okay with doing that? Or is that why you were keeping everything in, like, 
or are you doing your best sometimes to kind of lose the listener with odd time signatures and all this kind of stuff? Right. And, and, well, and speaking know. of losing the listeners, let's lose some of ours right now as we take a word from our sponsors. And hopefully we haven't lost you and we're right back. All right. So we're talking song structure and how, why that kind of works and what we can do with that kind of stuff. But uh, let's go in a little bit more now into how this comes down in your tracking sessions or if you're uh, setting up a session, you're going in. Um, what are the first things that you do, Jody, if you're tracking um, an artist and um, you've hopefully a little bit familiar with a song with layout and all this kind of stuff? What, what are some of the things that you do uh, when you start your session? Well, actually... I can speak to this without having heard a song and agreeing to record an artist just because I knew them personally. The first thing I do is I sit and I listen to the song to understand where their parts change. Right. And I count out those sections to understand how long each section is in the number right. of bars. Uh, if they don't know, I have to count it out. I have to know. The same yeah. thing goes for having all of the lyrics written out and knowing where they apply to each section that they are thinking of that they are doing. Uh, the main reason that I do this is because I map out the structure in the tracking session of my DAW using yeah. these things that we call markers. And then I set those markers at the bar points. I know where I'm coming in. I know where I'm going out. I know where the sections change. And that gives me a reference to being able to use a click track and all that kind of fun stuff in order to track things when it comes to overdubs. Right. Yeah. So um, doing it that way obviously gives us a reference when we're talking to the artist, like even if they're not necessarily aware of the vocabulary, oh, this is my song, I structured it this way. They're just, oh, that's just the song I wrote. But you can say, well, when we go into the chorus part, that's when you're singing whatever it is. Sure. Right? Mm -hmm. So it, it um, those are really, really good ideas for um, keeping your session moving along. And you also know, presumably before you go in and you start tracking, you will have got some information or, or opinions on where you might have to cut things down or maybe this course should be double or maybe we'll do the 80s trick and transpose up a half step or a whole step or in mm -hmm. the case of Bon Jovi, a minor third. Um, <laughs> really take it up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, living on a prayer that goes up a minor third. That's crazy. And then he blew his voice out in that tour. So, yeah. Yay. Um, no, but uh, so you can make all of those adjustments uh, and um, keep the session moving along a little bit easier because then you can also tell, you know, the well, guitar player, keyboard player comes in, well, you're going to come in at the second verse or we're going to drop you out at the second verse or whatever it happens to be. So, Yes, you know, it just becomes easier to be able to work the arrangement when you know what the map of the song is. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's why I count it out. That's why I know things. That's why uh, the last artist that I recorded a song for didn't know their song as well as they thought they did. Mm -hmm. And then it became more of a put on the producer and arranger hat 
to make sure that we keep this artist focused on the goal of the song. And that, that also comes down to actually speaking to the artist Yeah, and getting a well, clear you under start nah, shopping stuff up. You never know. Some producers just like, give me your stuff. I'll make it awesome no matter what. And then the artist gets it back and is like, what the fuck happened here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I decided to cut half of your second verse. And, yeah. So yeah. It, 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 you, you were going on something about your dead relatives. I just cut that out. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yes. Good communication is key in order to get things moving along. So it does help to have a clear understanding of what the artist's goal is for the song from a producer standpoint. And if you don't have an arranger, you have to be able to understand arrangement enough to be able to set that up for your session to make the flow happen a lot smoother. Is that, yeah. That's a poor way of saying it in English, but yeah. Yeah. It, it, all those words, maybe just in a different order. Or but, just no. <laughs> maybe snip a few out and put a few others in, something like that. Maybe something like that. No, but but I agree. It, it, um, it keeps your your tracking session moving forward and it keeps you focused on, sorry, my notes are falling around here. Um, it, it keeps you focused on the arrangement. It can, it, it's easy to, or easier to get a bird's eye view over what's going on, but that when you see it sort of in front of you and you see like, wow, we're, you know, we're two minutes in and we haven't hit the first chorus yet. You that, know, you might well, depending on, on the range. style of the song, that could be a problem or it could be like, yeah, man, I'm digging this intro. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, sure. Yeah. There was a, that reminds me of, of, I'll tell a quick story. It was one of my favorite comics, a guy called Mark Marin. He was telling this song where, or this, this bit, and I'm not going to try to emulate it because I'm not going to do it justice, but he talks about the value of music right and and uh, he says you know yeah I, I bought this cd of indian folk music and he said yeah it's great like you know i get this one long piece of music you know so the drums don't even kick in until like 35 minutes into the song you know <laughs> and he goes that sounds if like you... fella uh, fella katuti is that his name sorry uh, uh, but he goes, but if you really, really pay attention, they couldn't come in like one second sooner, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> and so, there's the, that's the punchline, right? They couldn't come in. One yeah, second sooner. exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it can help you sort of, I'd like to use the term like trim the fat when you're dealing with song structures. And again, there with, with writers, um, it's very easy to get too precious with your parts as well. It could right? be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, oh man, but I love that line. Yeah, but it doesn't work here. So the humor yeah. is I just had somebody call me about this. Yeah. Over the, over the weekend. Okay. That's <laughs> asking, how do you do the co writing thing? I just, I don't get it. How, how do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> well, how, how can you do, how can anybody be in a room with 10 other people and try to figure out who, who did what to a song? And it's kind of like, well, you have to have a little bit of comfort in knowing that maybe your idea didn't work. Yeah. And sure. you have to be okay with that. Yeah. So that, that is part of the delicate balance that as a producer or a arranger you have to work with on an artist it, they may lose sight of the vision as i've stated before you have to bring them 
back into that goal, making sure that the song is awesome for whatever it is that they're doing that that, that is the goal of the song, hopefully to be awesome. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it. It's true. I mean, um, I was asked. I think it was you and I. We were you were here in LA and we were out and we were talking to and uh one of our friends amazing artist in his own right but he asked well how do you do again same question how do you do the co-writing thing how, how do you do that and um the answer that I sort of had to that but I think it it big part of it comes down to trust in your co-writing partner yeah. where you're not necessarily second guessing everything that they do and always thinking that your ideas are better you know, it's like, well, in the, in a perfect scenario, they will just come from a different angle and just have like, okay, well, I, oh, what, what if you do this? What if you do a modulation? We're going to change it into this and that, whatever happens to be. But it's that um, having another input that, that you don't have. Sure. Well, so, so you and you have to, that. I think, again, with the trust thing, it also comes down to knowing whether or not both people are okay with not being married to what they've come up with which yeah. we've talked about before in the guitar episodes of, of layering guitars. <clears throat> it applies also to songwriting and artists who are green in the studio can have a real problem with this. Yeah. It is not the easiest thing in the world to deal with when you are thinking that your precious little baby is, is it has to be this way. And if you're going to put your foot down and, be like Prince. Well, it better be fucking awesome. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, most people can benefit from the guidance of people who have been doing this for a while. And that's probably why you are listening to an episode like this to gain some insight and knowledge on arranging a song, hopefully prior to being in the studio. Cause if you have to do it during studio time, boy, that could be costly. Um, yeah. But then you do it next time anyway. <laughs> but know? then hopefully you do it next time ahead of time. So, yes, getting back to what we were talking about, uh, for me, when I'm bringing in a uh, – I, I have to know the song structure ahead of time so I can set it all up in the DAW so I have that grand overview of the entire forest and not just the trees. And then I like to print out or at least have in digital format in front of me the lyrics – yeah, And then I label them out as to what section they go into. And the reason for that is, is to make sure that once the tracking starts to happen, I can keep track of every line that's been done to the vision that's needed. Right. Yeah. That's a good way of saying without getting too further in depth, because I think in part two, we get a little bit further into that depth. Yeah. But, but that's good. I, I remember the first time I saw somebody do that. Um, mm. It was with a project that uh, it was me and this other artist. And we, we were, we had some studio time to do this with um, a, a great producer, a guy called Adam Mosley. Mm. Thank you, Adam. Um, but the first time I saw him, he had a lyric sheet and it was written out in sort of like an Excel spreadsheet kind of form. And then he would have also like take one, take two, et cetera, right? And he would actually mark out as he was listening and tracking each take just to help him with the comping later where he would go, okay, that was a good one. That was a good one right there. And uh, just seeing that, I was like, wow, that's brilliant. I got to do that. 
And uh, <laughs> it, 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 just like you're saying, it keeps you focused when, when you're doing that. And then you know, because, you know, when you listen to, to the same line over and over again, it can get a blur. Yes. Um, so, so essentially, that focus, moving things along, yeah. Yeah. So the idea behind creating the, the markers and having the lyrics printed out or in a spreadsheet or what have you is to create that grand vision, the plan that's going to happen during the tracking phase of getting this song out of the musician's heads and hands and into recorded format. Yes, absolutely. And, and that's, that's, you know, that's kind of going to wrap up our, Part yeah. one of this of this two part series of arranging a song session, yeah, isn't it? I mean, that's what I think I'm it will. I think we um, set that up quite nicely, and as you said, the next episode we'll go into a little bit more detail on how we approach that session. Sure, to, again, get that sound out of the artist's head, like you said, and into people's ear holes. And you know what I'm thinking about the two minute Tuesday tip for this one. What are you thinking? You should show that spreadsheet example. That's a good one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Do it. I'll do that. Do I'll it. do that. I'll do that. All right. Well, Sounds that's good. I think we're wrapping it up here. We're going to. I think we're wrapping it up, Jody. I think we are. Back. I think that's enough of my babbling. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll have you guys uh, come back next week for part two of Arranging a Song Session. All right. Thanks, Thanks Jody. Have a good one. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, everybody out there in Inside the Recording Studio Land. We'll see you. We're here. You'll hear us. We'll